What's up, everybody? Welcome to LifePoint Church. How y'all doing today? Come on, what a great day to be in church together. Can you believe we made it through 21 days of fasting and prayer? How many of you had a great time during the season of fasting? Six people. Oh, my goodness. Well, next service, they loved it. I'm telling you, come on now, if you loved fasting. I, I'm so thankful for the season that we had. And then we ended with an amazing night of worship and prayer. And I think like 20-something people gave their hearts to Jesus at our worship and prayer night. Man, what a great night. It was a powerful, powerful time together of praying. And we prayed for all the needs of the church. In fact, I want to encourage you, uh, join us on Tuesdays for our prayer, out, like from 9 to 10 Central Time. We have a, a whole hour set aside in our week for prayer. Our entire team comes, our staff, and we've got a number of people that are joining us for that Tuesday prayer, whether in the room or online, wherever you are in the world. Come on, Tuesdays, 9 a.m. Central. Just put it on your calendar and say, my church is praying, and I'm going to join them, and I'm going to make it a habit for me this year, Tuesdays. I mean, you can choose like another staff meeting, or you can do a prayer meeting. Come on, just tell your boss, the real boss has me praying. Come on, somebody. All right. Well, welcome again. My name is Mike Burnett, and my wife, Stephanie, and I just love serving as pastors here. And our team, man, we've got such an amazing team and staff here. Uh, you know what was interesting? We, this year, we've hired our 51st staff member, y'all. Can I just praise God for what he's doing in this church. 51 team members here, and we have about 50 interns as well who are serving throughout the week and doing such an amazing job. And on behalf of our team, I just want to tell you, it is a pleasure to serve you, and thank you for being such a great church. Welcome to every video location, and thank you to our video service at our Rossview campus. We are embracing video at all locations, uh, some periodically. Pastor Jordan's preaching live at Austin P today, and we'll have video services at our Rossview campus moving forward as well, and we're going to make sure to set that into our rhythm. And so thank you for your flexibility with that. If you're watching an all, a video service, just know it's from today, and so it'll be a blessing to you. So we finished our 21 days of prayer and fasting and uh, had an amazing night of worship. And I just want to say uh, for the last three weeks, four weeks, really, we've been talking about at the end of the 21 days of fasting, we would have our big push, our offering towards our Convoy of Hope Water Initiative. And that is something that we have participated in for the last few years. And man, the, the money continues to grow and the partnerships continue to grow of how many people attached to what we're doing. And so for years, we've given money, whatever you fasted, just save that money and then give it towards water filters. And uh, these $25 filters will serve a family for years and years to come to provide clean drinking water. Uh, as well, now we're digging wells and putting irrigation systems in. And so I just want to tell you, as we've now finished our time of fasting, that, that now is the time that we're going to give in this offering. It's, we really do two big offerings a year, one in, in January for our water project, and then one in August with our One Day to Feed the World. Otherwise, we'll have random opportunities, usually because of disasters, that we have opportunities for offerings. But, but this is one of our biggest ones that we do every year. And I just want to say thank you on the front end of this. But in addition to our regular tithing, which is our first tenth, tenth portion that we bring to the Lord through his house, we give this offering. And so above and beyond our tithing, I want to encourage you to give generously to this. And I'm telling you, every dollar you give will go very far and make a big difference. I, I'm excited that this year we're going to be a part of digging multiple wells in the developing world. And with the wells, we'll build churches and schools and feeding programs to be like an all-inclusive place, to be a blessing to communities. Uh, in, in fact, in Togo, West Africa, I know that they're waiting on funds to come through so that we can start those initiatives uh, specifically in other parts of West Africa. That convoy is just ready and they've got the, the people in place, they've got the communities that have need. And LifePoint, I'm telling you, your giving is gonna put water 
I was going to say in the ground, but you're going to pull water from the ground, and we're going to plant churches there. We're going to start uh, regional ministry community centers, and I'm just, I'm really excited about this. So thank you for your giving as you've prayed over these last few weeks. Throughout the New Testament, we see the pattern of Christians giving generously, especially when opportunities arise to be a blessing to others. And uh, at one point in 2 Corinthians, we see the, the Christians and Macedonians begging the apostles for more opportunities. Please give us, let us know anytime there's a need, please give us the opportunity uh, to give towards compassion and to make a difference. So your tithes and offerings will go very far to make a difference in the lives of people. To rem- Jesus says, remember the poor, the hungry, and the thirsty. And your giving today and this week will do just that. So thank you so much. You can designate it online by clicking our water filter project or, or on the envelopes in the room or however you want to do it. All right, we're in our fourth week of our Fresh Start series. Has this been a good series for you guys so far? It's been encouraging, challenging. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Well, um, I always feel weird asking a question like, do you like me? That's not what I'm trying to ask. I just want to make sure that what we felt like as a pastoral team back in November, August, October, November, we, we said we really want to do this series for the church and felt in our, in our spirit like this is where the, the Lord has taken us. But I want to make sure that it's been good to you. So we're in the fourth week of our Fresh Start series. I've been saying after the last couple of years we've lived through, we just need a fresh start with the Lord. We need a fresh start with his people. Come on, somebody. We need a fresh start with church. In fact, I'm believing God that 2022 will be a a year like we've not seen in a very long time of our commitment to God and his word and his church. And, And even this will be a year that God helps you walk through some major areas of forgiveness. In fact, next week, we're going to end this series with how to have some relational healing and some, some breakthrough in those areas. But we've lived through a lot over these last couple of years, and we're still in the middle of it. In fact, COVID numbers continue to rise in our community and around the country. Uh, thankfully, this new variant is not as fatal, they say, but it is still something that we're dealing with all the time. A lot of tension socially w- regarding health, politics, finances, etc. And, and we've talked about casting off the spirit of heaviness and putting on the garment of praise. In fact, I'm kind of thinking that as a theme verse in my life this year, that I just want to put on a garment of praise. Every, every day, every week, I just want to put that on as I'm getting dressed in the morning. I want to think about, Lord, today I'm going to praise you. I'm going to live in a way that praises the name of Jesus. And I just want to encourage you with the same thing. I was walking, I was somewhere, I can't remember where I was, but somebody recognized me from church. And Pastor Mac, I was like, praise the Lord. It was right after I'd preached the sermon. That was my first response. And anyway, I thought it was funny. Um, <clears throat> Well, we're learning how to overcome heaviness with a fresh start and a fresh start with God. We've, we started saying, let's reach up to the Lord with a life of praise and then let's reach out to others. And you can do that through giving to water filters. You can do that by serving on a dream team. You can do that by serving uh, those families in Kentucky that still have massive needs. In fact, uh, your giving is continuing to go out. We're looking to help a pastor who his entire house was just completely leveled and destroyed and we want to help him rebuild his home. He didn't have any resource to, to put his house back together. So he's been living in a classroom in the church that he pastors in Kentucky. So we want to help him with that. Uh, we, we talked about turning it up a notch in key areas of spiritual disciplines. Uh, by the way, related to Kentucky, we're still sending teams regularly uh, to Kentucky to help with disaster relief. So we'd love for you to participate in that. We talked about turning up our spiritual disciplines, these Christian habits that draw us closer to the Lord. And then last week, we, we talked about trusting and following the assignments of God as we grow close to him, that we not make excuses like Moses did. And, and especially we don't say to the Lord, let somebody else do it. By the way, thank you for your flexibility on our online service last week. The snow here was so bad. If you don't live in town, let me tell you something. It was so bad. It was 
world-class record-breaking blizzard status. It was terrible. And so, man, if you live somewhere else, we got a guy watching in Guam every week and Saipan. We got folks in other more tropical places. We envy you because the snow was so, I mean, deep, 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 (laughs) deep. Don't you love Clarksville in the winter? Praise the Lord. I told a bunch of pastor friends, we're all in a group chat. We're like, what are you doing? What are you doing? We're all canceling one off, falling off. And I'm like, I'm sticking it out to the end. And then we canceled, you know? So I said, pastors, we should rally together and buy snow plows and salt trucks. And just, we'd be the heroes of the city. Pastors out there, drive, anyway. Um, so today I want to talk about a fresh start with your church. Uh, if you're a guest here today, you're going to really hear my heart as a pastor. If you have another church that you're a part of, I want to encourage you to go there and do what I'm teaching you today and go back to your church. If you're shopping for a church and you haven't told your pastor, go back and tell them. Uh, In fact, don't come here secretly looking for a better church. There ain't a better church. We're all busted up, broken hypocrites. And so the church you need to be a part of is the church God's telling you to be a part of, not the one that you think you like. So if you go to another church, I want you to go back there and take what I'm teaching you today. But if you go to LifePoint and I'm your pastor, I want you to hear from my heart. And I want you to lean in and trust me. After the last few years, we've all felt what it means as a church to pull back, to retreat, hunker down, to delay our engagement, to transition to online, to wait for things to get back to normal. Well, this is normal now. And we've also allowed others to step up at church in places where we used to serve or step up or give. So we need to reframe what it means to belong to the church. So I've titled this message, We Belong Together. I was gonna theme song it out by Boys to Men, Come on, somebody. We belong together. (laughs) But then it just goes a totally different direction. So (laughs) let me just tell you, it's been quite a season to be a pastor. Over the last couple of years, it's quite a time to belong to a local church. I said this a couple of years ago with the pandemic. When it started, people were forced to isolate, and isolation is not good for humans. In fact, it's punishment for prisoners. If you think about it, isolation is punishment in prison. But it, it, it's not really good for us. We, isolation feeds things that are unhealthy like depression, addiction, anxiety, all kinds of mental health issues, fear. It's unhealthy for the follower of Jesus specifically because God has designed that we do life together. In fact, as pastors, we have a, a mantra that we say, don't do ministry alone. And I think for Christians, don't do Christianity alone. Don't go through suffering alone. Don't go through pain alone. Don't go through breakups with your spouse alone. Don't, don't go through uh, like fatigue alone. Don't go through job loss. Alone. Don't go through Christianity alone. We are meant to do life as a body. At the beginning of the pandemic, many predicted this would be the next great spiritual awakening in America, that on the back end of this, people would rush back into the churches. They said, as soon as churches reopened, they would fill to overcapacity. And that just hasn't happened. Instead, Uh, of the great awakening, we've seen what's called the great falling away. Researchers said that a third of Christians in America, church attending Christians in America have abandoned the church and even abandoned their faith. In fact, numerous reports show that many Christians since the pandemic have done nothing to invest in their faith, prayer, spending time in the word, being in a small group, et cetera. So I want to challenge you as your pastor. And and, and honestly, if you're in the room, you're going to feel like, well, this isn't for me because I'm here, but it really is. So I want to push you forward, but especially if you're joining online and that's become your new habit, I want to push you as pastor to have a fresh start in this series, not only with God and his word and disciplines and prayer, but with his church. I want you to relook at and reimagine how you can do life as part of the body of Christ. And listen to me, if you've taken a break 
The break is over. In fact, there's no, there's no concept of taking a break for New Testament Christians. There's just no such thing as that. Uh, if you've taken a break, I want to challenge you, the break is over. If you've changed habits because of convenience, then you may need to break those bad habits. And if you've decided it's easier to just tune in online, not wrestle the kids, stay in our comfort PJs and just watch church while we're eating ham and eggs, whatever, I just want to, I want to pray and I'm, I'm praying that God would motivate you differently as a result of this message. Now, now hear me when I say this, this is not a rebuke. I told Pastor Bo this morning, I was like, hey, make sure I'm not like yelling at our church, especially to the people in the room, right? This is not a rebuke. This is me being your pastor. This is pastoral leadership. Everybody say, okay. Say, I'm with you, pastor. Come on now, online. Give me some hearts. Give me some love. I want to pass you for a moment. We are a people who gather. There is still a human need and a human reality. We are not meant to do Christian faith alone. There's no such thing as lone rager Christianity. People say, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. Well, those are people who don't read their Bibles. There is no place in the Bible for that kind of thinking. And, and there's no such thing as lone rager Christianity or following Jesus in isolation and apart from other Christians. We are the church, which means we're the body of Christ and every part of this body is important. I can't just say, well, this hand just looks weird, so I'm just gonna throw it off. Or I haven't really used this pinky in a long time, so let me just yank it off and throw it away. Every part of this body matters and is important and needs one another. And when any one part of the body is missing, the rest of the body suffers. When you disengage, we feel the loss. We belong together. So let me, let me give you a few thoughts. I'm, I hope you're taking notes uh, as I walk through this. The first thing I want you to understand is the church is Jesus's plan. Like there's no other organization on the planet that God says, I'm ordaining that to be my plan. Not parachurch, not hospitals, not Christian schools. None of those, those things aren't bad, but they're not God's plan. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The local church, when mobilized and activated by the Holy Spirit, the local church is the hope of the world, and it is God's plan. A bunch of bishops and vicars didn't just stand around one day and say, what can we do to destroy people Sunday mornings? You know what I'm saying? Like, that was not the attitude. This was God's plan from the beginning. Jesus said it like this in Matthew 16. He's talking to his disciples, and, the, and he's asking the question, like, who do, you, who do people say that I am? And then he asks more specifically, well, who do you say that I am? To the disciples. And this is the question to you, Christians. Who do you say that Jesus is? And Peter responds and he says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And they're standing outside of this giant cave that, that many pagans worshiped at and they had altars set up and they thought it was the gateway to hell, honestly. I've actually been there to this cave, the, the mouth of this cave and, and the way the rocks are formed and the colors of the rocks, it looks like flames come up the front of this cave. And so they called that the gate of hell. And Jesus is standing near that with his disciples and he says, Peter, upon, he, Peter says to him, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And he says, upon that rock of confession, what you just said right there, upon that statement, and this is what I'm gonna tell you, Christians, if you are a follower of Jesus and you believe that he is the Christ, that means your Messiah, your savior, deliverer, healer, redeemer, friend, and that he is God himself, your God, the God of your life, Peter says on that statement, I will build my church. And then he points to that cave and he goes, and the gates of hell will never prevail against my church. Jesus says, I will build my church. How many of you know this is God's church? Hello, how many of you know this life point is God's church? First Baptist is God's church. Living Hope is God's church. Mosaic is God's church. And hell 
will never win over God's church. You know what that means? The real body of Christ, we're never defeated. We don't die from a virus. We're not destroyed by terrorists. We're not stopped by political pressure. The real church that Jesus is building, we love God. We love people. We pray boldly. We serve well. We give generously. We are the church that preaches the gospel and leads people to be fully devoted followers of Jesus. His church will never be defeated, never be closed down, never be in quarantine, never, no matter what the devil throws at it, hell will never be God's church. We got to start thinking that way. Again, we got to start believing that way. Again, the actual word for church in the New Testament is this Greek word, ekklesia. And the actual meaning of this word, when you see it in the New Testament, is this idea of these are the ones that were called out. Not called out like you call somebody out on a playground, you know what I'm saying? Like call them out. You are called apart. You are set apart. You're pulled apart. God has put his hand on you, church. Listen to me. You are different than this world. We don't fear what the world fears. We're not anxious about what causes anxiety. We are called out by God and called out from the world. And in another place, another way of understanding ecclesia is we are a called out assembly or congregation. An assembly, we are called out to be the family unto God. We're called out from the world, from the prevailing culture. Now listen, you gotta live here, pay your taxes and, and get gas at gas stations, but you're still different. In fact, we are different from this culture. The way the Apostle Paul says it is we are aliens, foreigners from the prevailing or secular culture, the world as the scripture calls it. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Listen, church, you're different. That means we don't believe like the world. On all the matters that are spinning up right now, we don't believe what the world says about sex and marriage and drugs and alcohol and abuse and addiction. We don't believe what the world says about that because we believe what God says. We don't behave like the world. We don't embrace worldliness and, 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 and debauchery and, and gossip and dissension and division and all those things. We, we don't put our hope in what the world puts our hopes in. We, we let the wisdom of the world, like we, we, we acknowledge those things, but our hope is in Jesus. Can I hear an amen? We don't do money like the world does money. Can I hear an amen to that one? We don't do marriage and family like the world. We work hard to make marriages work and to raise our kids and raise our families to know God, find freedom, discover their purpose and make a difference. We don't embrace a life of sin like the world. We don't fear what the world fears. We are called out by God and called out into a spiritual family called the church. So let me just give you a couple other thoughts. A really great quote that we saw online this week, uh, this month. Church is also not a building. I walk the halls and the rooms of this construction site every day, just about every day. And this is steel and drywall and screws and mud. There ain't nothing holy about this building, nothing. If you think for a moment that the Holy Spirit sends like 20 angels to every church building to wait on you to come back every Sunday and they're just keeping it holy, <laughs> you're out of your mind. That's why we don't care about coffee. Just tell us when you spill it so we can clean it, but it's not because it's holy. This place is not holy. You are a holy people. Church is not a building. It's a gathering, an assembling of God's people, an assembly of those whom God has saved and whom God is delivering and who have issues that God is redeeming and the people who are walking in divine purpose and relationship as Christian family. Everybody say family. We are the people of God, the family of faith, an assembly or a gathered people who love God and love people. If I can be honest for a moment, it's hard to be an assembly when we're not assembling. 
It is hard to be an assembly when we don't assemble fully, often, or regularly. I'm grateful, listen, for online or digital church. I'm so thankful. We were online before the pandemic hit. In fact, we got to help a number of churches who didn't have online strategy, and and we're thankful for online. It allows us to be with you when you're sick and when you're traveling. It allows us to stay with you when you've moved or PCS to a new town or a new country and you're, trying, you're struggling to find a new church home. It allows us to be with you, but it doesn't allow you to be with us. And the deficiency in an online church experience is we're missing you. You're getting us, but we're not getting you. And how many of you know a family without both parents is deficient, right? A family with kids missing. And you know what I'm saying? Like when the family's not together, the family feels it. And online, it's an, it's an option, it's a substitute, but it's not what God intends for us ultimately. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I'm gonna just be real blunt. Too many of us have grown comfortable with church online. And I'm gonna look right in the camera when I say this because all these people in the room are like, I'm watching in the room. <laughs> Too many of us have grown comfortable with church online. We've embraced it as a new habit and a new lifestyle of how we do church, listen to me. We were never told to do church, but to be the church. And when you don't assemble with the body, when you're just chasing kids and doing breakfast while this is on in the background, that's not being the church. You can't be a called out people and all you do is tune in to being called out. It just doesn't work that way. If you've allowed online to be your new routine, and I'm especially talking to folks in town. I'm asking you to have a fresh start with your church. If you've been online only for a long time and it's because of fear, I want you to remember you've not been given to a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. It's the first sermon I preached in this pandemic. If you've been given to online for a long time, it's time to assemble with your church family again. Wear your masks, wear your gloves, get your shots. I don't care what you got to do. Get around the body of Christ because it's good for you and it's good for the body. I want to encourage you to be with your church. I can't force anybody to show up. I want to encourage you, though, to be with your church family again. I know that online church is better than no church. I get that. We have an online campus pastor, Christian. He's doing an amazing job. If you're sick, if you've moved, you've been traveling, then online's for you. But joining online is not the same as being with your church family. I want you to think about this. I want you to think of having a family reunion on Zoom. That's fun once. (laughs) I want you to think of doing every Thanksgiving and every Christmas and every birthday and every anniversary on Zoom from now on. That's how it feels when you stay online. So I want to invite you back. I want to challenge you to step out of your, your habits, step out of your comfort zone, and get, especially those of you who are in town. Listen, joining online is not the same as being with your church family. If you're in town and you're just living in a new habit, John Maxwell said when this whole thing started, he said one of the fears that he had is that Christians will establish new habits. So I want to challenge you to break that habit. Some of you are like, turn it off. I don't want to hear this anymore. Get back to bacon. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe you're looking at your spouse on the couch going, he's talking right to me. I am. Because I'm your pastor and I love you. And listen to me, we miss you. We love you. We have plenty of room for you. And I want to encourage you to break that habit 
and gather again with your church. And I'll show you why in just a moment. Stephanie shared this quote with me recently. As church attendance numbers have faded across the nation and online services became more convenient, it's important to remember why church attendance for you and your family matters so much. You can't serve from your sofa. You can't have community of faith on your sofa. You can't experience the power of a room full of believers worshiping together from your couch. Christians, listen, we're different. Remember what I said earlier, we're called out. Christians aren't consumers, we're contributors. We don't watch, we engage. We, don't, we, we give, we sacrifice, we encourage, we pray by laying, you can't lay hands from your sofa. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? So, so we pray by laying hands on the hurting and we do life together. So the church needs you and you need the church. I don't know about you, but I'm committed to be a part of Jesus' church. I'm not afraid of anything this world throws at us. I wasn't even afraid of snow last week. I came Sunday morning. I drove up here slick as a devil. I mean, it was terrible roads. That's the problem in our town is the roads are awful. I wasn't scared of them though. You know why? Because God blessed me with an anointing called four wheel drive. (laughs) But I came up to the church to make sure if anybody else slid their way in here that we can tell them, hey, we're online only, but come watch it with us if you want. I'm committed to be a part of the church. I'm not afraid of anything this world throws. I'm not quitting on Jesus. I'm not quitting on his church. I'm not backing off. I'm not quarantining from the church family. Never. I'm a pastor and I need a pastor. I need my small groups. And I want to challenge you forward this year with God's church. Let's go all in. Come on, somebody. Can I hear an amen? Come on, take it as a pastoral challenge. Don't be mad at me. So so I want to give you some language that we use here. And it's how we belong together. Because we do, we belong together. I th- and, and when I say we belong together, I want you to think of it like, like, this, like pieces of a puzzle. This piece of this puzzle belongs to this part of the puzzle, right? We belong, we fit, we match together as the body of Christ. So write these things down because I think it's good for you. And by the way, as you're inviting people to belong to your church, this is language that you need to use as well. A good friend of mine, a member of this church actually told me uh, just this l- last week, he said, there's something about belonging somewhere to a church that's just good for the Christian." There's something about going, that's my home church. That's my pastor. That's my church family. You ever get out in town and you meet somebody and you find out they go to LifePoint? Don't you get excited? You're like, I go there too. Or you see somebody with a LifePoint sticker on their car. All of a sudden, I walked in a barbershop a couple weeks ago and I saw a LifePoint sticker on the car and I had my two youngest daughters with me. And I was like, okay, girls, behave. (laughs) There's church folks here, by God. Walked in, had a great conversation with a church guy. I'd never met him before in person once, you know, we had met, but we got into talking at the barbershop and, and it was great. You, you see somebody with a LifePoint hat on or a hoodie, it's just encouraged. That's, hey, I go there too. That's where I go. Where do you sit? What service are you a part of? And when you're in multiple services, multiple locations, it's always a surprise, you know, to find out when you meet somebody from church. There's something about belonging to a church that's good for the Christian. In Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, the writer of Hebrews, who we don't know who it is, actually says, let us hold fast the confession. In other words, hold it tight to yourself. Hold your confession that Jesus is Lord, right? Hold it without wavering. For the one God who has promised is faithful. So we hold on to this confession that Jesus is Lord of my life, and we hold it tight because God is faithful. And then look what he says. Let us consider. Who's in charge of doing this? We are. Let us consider how to stir up one another. How are you going to stir folks up if you don't Gather with them. Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. I love being in a a locker room with athletes 
You know, I get to chaplain our Austin P football team with Pastor Jordan is doing a great job helping me with that. There's something about being in the locker room when they start leaning in and they start going, okay, okay, here, this isn't the chant they do, but they're, come on, come on. And they're just stirring one another up to play a game that's going to be over in two hours. But we're stirring one another up to love God, love people, and to do good works. Can I hear an amen? And then he says, let us consider how to stir one another up to loving good works, not neglecting to meet together. There it is. As is the habit, there's that word, that habit, as is the habit of some. Notice the writer of Hebrews is saying, we are in control of this. Let us consider how to stir one another up and let us not neglect to meet together as some have gotten in the habit of. And if that's been your habit, the writer of Hebrews is speaking directly to you. But encourage one another. And look at this, all the more as you see the day, capital D in your Bible, the day drawing near. This day is the day of the return of Christ. The day when all things culminate in the return of Jesus. Listen, listen to what the writer of Hebrews is saying. As things get harder and heavier, do it all more. Do it, look at this, all the more. Don't, here's what happens. When life gets hard, when our family's falling apart, when the world seems to be in pressure, people go, I can't, I don't have time for church right now. I don't have time for God. I, I don't have time for that. And what the writer of Hebrews is saying, do it more. When it's heavy, when it's hard, when things are difficult, lean in even stronger into the body of Christ. Listen, when I say don't do life alone, don't go through divorce alone. Don't go through bankruptcy alone. Lean into the body of Christ. Don't neglect calling your pastor or your spiritual leaders or your mentors or your small group leader. When life is hard, press in to your church. Don't pull away. That's the other habit of some people. When life is painful, they go, well, I don't have time for that. I got too much going on. Or I don't want to bring my shame. Or I don't want to cause problems. I don't want to be a burden. No, we love your burdens. We are to carry your burdens with you and for you because we love you. And we do life together as the body of Christ. Your problems are our problems. We're glad to carry them with you and to walk you through them. He says, even more as the day is drawing near. So, I want to give you some language from our Next Steps class, which does not excuse you from going to Next Steps class. But let me give you the language that we've used here as long as I've been the pastor of this church. Simple list of what it means for us to belong together. First of all, we attend as a church. Now that should go without saying, but in the world we're living in, probably half of the church we were before COVID has not come back. We're not attending anymore. Now, many of you are joining online. And that's a type of attendance, but it's not a permanent type of attendance. We don't do church, we are the church. And it's a regular part of our lives and a regular part of our rhythms. In fact, I want you to think about your Sunday mornings differently. I think worship starts when you wake up on Sunday. In fact, for our family, my wife is so good to remind our kids like bedtime is super early on Saturday because we know that we're gonna be in church all day on Sunday. So actually our bedtime on Saturday is part of our worship on Sunday. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? You got to start thinking about being a church person way before you sit in your seat in the Rossview campus or the Austin P campus or down at the East Valley Dream Center. You got to start thinking ahead of time. Look at Psalm 122. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. I don't ever want you to ask anyone in your family again, are we going to church tomorrow? 
I want you to say, I cannot wait to be in the house of the Lord with the people of God, worshiping the God of heaven. I was glad when they said, oh man, it's Friday night. You better live it up tonight and tomorrow's Saturday. Get your house ready because we're going to bed because I was glad when they said, we got church tomorrow, y'all. We're going to meet with the God of heaven tomorrow. I can't wait. It's going to be amazing. Some of us have an attitude of, I was glad when church was over. My God, he went too long. No, no, you got to reframe how you think about being a part of the church. This is the only ordained institution God has put and left on the planet. You get to be a part of God's unique design by being, I was glad when they said, let's go to church. Can I hear an amen? You should always amen your pastor when he quotes that scripture at you. I want to challenge you to start your attendance at home. Think about getting ready on Sunday morning as part of your worship preparation. I want you to think about brushing your teeth, <laughs> please. Uh, I want you to think about <laughs> wrestling your kids out of bed, driving into the property, no matter what location. I want you to think about finding or fighting for a parking spot. All of this is the gladness to get into the house of God. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, we, we go to concerts of our favorite stars and we just get all ready. We tell everybody at, the, at work, oh my goodness, I'm going here Chase Atkins this weekend. I, don't, I couldn't think of anybody. I'm sorry. Tr did I say Chase? I did. I'm going to see Chase Adkins. He's new on the scene. Trace Adkins. And we tell everybody at work, we get our tickets, we tell people online, we get our boots on and our skinny pants, and we go to the concert early and we get dinner outside of Bridgestone Arena. We can't wait. We get in our seats and we're listening to those crummy opening bands and we're just waiting, waiting, waiting. I want you to be that excited, that anticipatory for going to the house of the living God. Yes. Pastor Jordan says, make attending church a non-negotiable. You don't decide on Sunday morning with how you feel. Are we going today? I don't know. Eh, you know, let's see what the kids think. We'll go to the latter service. No, it's a non-negotiable. I'm going to church. I don't care what comes up. I don't care if I got family in town and they're atheists. I don't care. Hey, y'all can stay here and eat my food. I'm going to the house of my God. I want to be around God's people. I want to worship with other folks. Hear me, hear me from your pastor. Listen, we serve people. We go to church. We listen to the word preached. We can't wait to be a part of God's house. Just like you schedule your other important appointments, schedule church. Yeah, we go to church. I got so many excuses that I've heard over the years running through my head right now. Oh man, what's the best one? None of them. We attend church, show up on a Sunday. And listen, part of being a part of the church is go to small groups. Acts 20, 20, Paul said, we gathered in temples and synagogues and from house to house. Galatians 6, 2 says, we bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of God. I've never seen this lived out better than in small groups. You, listen, when you're in a larger church especially, it's really hard to bear one another's burdens in a large church environment. But in a small group, man, that's where we pray for one another. That's where we walk through stuff with each other. We've had families. This week, I had a, a, a woman in the hospital on the back end of a, bat, a surgery that was, had some complications. And I reached out and it turns out the response was, uh, the person said, our small group's been taking care of her. It's all good. And I'm like, Psh awesome. I don't, they don't need me at all. They don't need their pastor. They got their small group. That's what that's for. Because we bear one another's burdens. Listen, I love watching you figure out how to do life together. Don't run from God or his church when it's tough. Lean in and attend. I got to push through this. We attend as a church. We pray as a church. 
Amazing night of prayer and worship this past Friday night after 21 days of prayer. Prayer is our way of communing with God, and it's also about aligning our lives with God. In Acts 2.42, it says, they devoted themselves. Devotion. This must be a devotion for us Christians. To the apostles' teaching, that's scripture, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Prayer is a devotion. I don't understand churches that don't have more prayer. We want to grow in prayer as a church. We have a prayer night. We have multiple prayer nights a year. We have prayer every Tuesday at 10. We open and close every service with prayer. We have prayer team. We want to become more and more known for prayer. It's central to the culture of a church. Just like you don't go to hospitals and not see nurses and doctors, you should never go to a church that doesn't like to pray. I don't understand churches who don't give moments to just pray and wait and linger and trust and wait for God. I'm talking about pray, believe God with some bold prayers. Come join us Tuesdays at nine, put it on your calendar. Let's be a part of this prayer thing together. First John chapter five, John the apostle writes this. He says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God. Those of you who are Christians, that you may know that you have eternal life. And he says, and this is the confidence we have towards God. How many of you wanna have confidence in your communion with God and your relationship with God? Anybody else wanna have confidence? Here's how we have confidence. Here, Here we go, look at this. This is the confidence we have in him that if we ask in prayer, right? If we ask anything according to his will, we're confident that he hears us. Some of us are praying and we wonder why doesn't God answer? Well, cause you're not asking anything according to his will. You're asking stuff according to your will. And he says, this is the confidence we have in God. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And so we know if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we'll have the request we ask of him. Listen, I want you to know God loves answering prayers that are prayers of his will. He loves doing that. When you say, God, not my will, but yours be done. Whatever you want, Lord God, I'm all about it. He's like, sweet, thank you. I'd love to be the God of your life. Pray his will, pray his word. If you want to know the will of God, Know the word of God. So we attend and we pray. Can I hear an amen? amen. The third is we, get, we, we give as a church. That's no secret here. We love being a generous church. And if you've ever had a curiosity or if you've wondered like that church is all about money, look, we give all the money that you give away. We use it and we're not storing it up in barns for no reason at all. We're a nonprofit. We give the money to help others. We love being a generous church. The Bible shows us a pattern for giving among believers. The way I've always taught it is it's the plan of God that the people of God provide for the house of God. And we do that through our tithes, which is 10% of our income. And you can argue that all you want. The only people I've ever heard argue against tithing are people who won't do it. But people who tithe see the hand of God on their finances after they tithe. Can all the tithers say amen? Amen. Listen, tithing is God's plan. I'm telling you, I'm not trying to force you or manipulate you into this. This is just God's plan. The pattern throughout the Old Testament is the believers brought first fruits and they brought the first tenth and then they gave offerings after that. The tithe is the first tenth, it's God's plan. The offering is everything beyond that. In 2 Corinthians 9, he says, whoever sows sparingly, it's a seed planting analogy. If you're sowing seed, if you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. So if you you sow a small garden, four by four garden, then you'll reap fruit for a four by four garden. He says, but if you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If you sow an acre, you'll reap an acre. Are you hearing this? So he says, everybody must give as he has decided in his heart. And every one of you have given so far as you've decided. If you give nothing, that's what you decided. If you give a tithe, you've decided. If you give 5%, that's on you. You've decided that. He says, everybody must give as they've decided, not reluctantly or under compulsion. The Message Bible says out of manipulation. And I hope you never feel manipulated to give here. I hope you feel encouraged and, and like led by the Spirit of God to be a giver here. But here's what he says, 
For because God loves a cheerful giver. I've never met a generous person who's grumpy about it. I'm just telling you, it's the truth. I've never met somebody who gives a gift at Christmas and like, here's your stupid gift, you jerk. Daughter, I can't stand giving you this. You know what I'm saying? Like, we will always choose to be a generous church. We'll always lead with like transparency here. If you ever want to know what's going on with the money here, we'll always tell you it's our corporate pattern also to give generously. The church tithes 10% of everything you give as well. But in order for us to do that corporately, I want to encourage you to do that personally and as a family. Be generous to the Lord in tithing and giving offerings in your church. So we attend, we pray, we give, and finally we serve as a church. I'll be done in two minutes. Jesus taught us very clearly in Matthew 20, verse 26 to 28, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. We live in a culture where the greats are being served. But he says, whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave, the doulos, the bondservant, the servant. Even as the son of man, Jesus is saying this, even me, the son of man came not to be served. Jesus didn't set up some palatial estate and have some grape wielding, fan blowing, toga wearing servants around him going, I'm Jesus, I'm God. He said, I didn't come to be served, I came to serve. And let me tell you something. If God is a servant, then God's people should be servants. If you wanna be more like Jesus, be a servant. As a church, we serve. You're a gift to this body. You're a 10 at something that I'm not a 10 at and we're not 10s at. And when you, listen, you can't serve from your sofa. First Peter 4.10 says, everyone has received a gift, so use it to serve one another as good stewards of the grace of God that's varied in the church. Part of God's design for us as a church is that you're a gift and a blessing through the gifts that he's put in your life. Listen to me, I want you to hear this very, I wanna say it as bluntly as I can because I love you. If you refuse to serve on teams, by giving, if you're praying for your church, if you refuse, and you're just saying, let other people do that. If you remember last week's message, that's what Moses said, let somebody else do it. And that's when the Lord got angry at Moses. It is not the way of Christians to say no to serving other people. So I wanna invite you this week, make a difference. When you serve, we get better. Get on a team. When you're missing, we miss, miss out. If you've never served in your church, it's time to have a fresh start with serving. We have our Next Steps class available today during our second, third, and fourth service. It's also available online anytime. And even if you're at one of our distance locations, you're in East Valley Dream Center, you're in Guam, you're in Saipan, you're watching in Tanzania, we can help you. Pastor Christian, our online campus pastor, can help you with a dream team where you can serve. But I'm gonna tell you something. I would love to be the church where everyone in our church serves faithfully because we wanna be more like Jesus, not because our pastor manipulated us, but because we wanna be more like Jesus who didn't come to be served, but to serve. And I wanna specifically challenge you to serve the next generation. I mean, our kid point has plenty of room for you and you wanna deal with world changers. Yes, of course, they're, they're smelly and they're loud and they're crazy, but they're the best part of this church. Our Kid Point team is the biggest part of our staff. Our Kid Point director is one of the most fire leaders we have in our church on purpose. If you wanna serve an amazing team, serve with our kids. 
or serve with our student ministry. Pastor Jure and Alex are doing a great job raising up next generation leaders, but we need you, spiritual moms and dads, to come and serve, and young adults, listen, serve the next generation. Don't serve where you're comfortable, serve where God would call you to serve. Listen, church, we belong together. We fit together. In our spiritual family, we fit as many parts into one family, just like every part of your body fits. And when a part's missing, we feel it. We contribute, we share life, we attend, we seek God and rejoice in his will as a praying church. We, we move the mission forward through generosity and giving. We make huge difference in serving God through serving one another and serving the next generation. Can you believe the next crop of politicians and bank presidents and doctors and lawyers and teachers and parents, pastor of this church could be in our kid point room right now you get to serve there to raise those kids to know God come on man I showed you earlier where Jesus said he's building his church and you may go well why do I have to be a part of this if he's the one building it (laughs) first Corinthians 3 9 says we are God's fellow workers we are co-laborers with Christ and he didn't start a church and say it'll figure itself out he started a church and empowers us to be a part of it so I want to ask you to have a fresh start with God's church this year Christians should be all in with their church. Don't worry about what other non-church attending people say about what Christians need to do. I'm always amazed. It's always people not going to church who are like, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. But I don't hear church attenders say that. It's always non-givers saying, you don't have to give. God don't care. God knows your heart. But givers are like, I'm pleased to give. I want to ask you to go all in with your church. Don't let others do all the work for you. Start attending faithfully, praying regularly, serve passionately, give generously, invite people like crazy, pray for your pastor, come on somebody, trust God, that he gave you pastors and a pastoral team to challenge you and speak into your life. As a side note, some of us only look for churches where the pastor just says what we like. That's crazy. Don't don't get offended when your pastor says something you disagree with. Maybe God puts you in that church to change you, not for you to change your pastor. Ooh, can I say her name in, somebody? Just bless me right there. I'd appreciate that. I want to challenge you, Life Point, for a fresh start with the Lord's Church. We belong together. We fit together. We do life together. We serve together. It's time to lay aside whatever's got us paralyzed from serving and giving and attending physically. And let's move forward as the church. Listen, Psalm 92 says, The righteous flourish like a palm tree, and they grow like the cedars of Lebanon planted in the house of God. So be planted, grow deep here, call this your home church. Tell your kids, this is where we're gonna go and be. Plant and raise your family here. Let God grow you, build you, strengthen you in his church right here. If you belong to another church, do it right there. We are not recruiting Christians here. We're looking for people far from God to come know Jesus. So if your church shopping, go back to your church and tell your pastor, I wanna plant myself. I want to serve faithfully and I want to pray for you. But if this is your church, come on, let's go in. Let's go all in, plant ourselves as the body of Christ. Can I hear an amen, everybody? Father, in Jesus' name, would you call us back to the body of Christ? There's no other organization on the planet like the church. And Lord, I pray that we would all feel equipped and empowered and called and assigned back into the body of Christ in Jesus' name. I pray that 2022 would be our greatest year of engagement ever. And that Lord, we would see 
great breakthrough in our personal lives, in our family lives, and Lord, in our church, that this would be a, the best year we've ever seen as a church family in Jesus' name. Now, God, we commit to obey you, to walk with you, to go all in with you in Jesus' name. This is your design. The church is your plan. And so, Lord, we want to flow in your church. We want to be a part of your plan and your design. Would everybody pray this with me? Come on, as a sign of submission to God and God's plan, would you just pray this out loud with me? Come on, open your hands to the Lord. Say, God, I hear the word and I believe what you say about your church and my place as a part. Say, I submit to your kingdom. I submit to your will. Now pray this and mean it. Say, God, I'm all in. Whatever you have for me is what I want. I ask for your forgiveness. I repent of my sin. I believe in Jesus that he died for me and I will live for him for the rest of my life. Say, God, I'm all in. In at your church, I'm gonna serve, I'm gonna give, I'm gonna pray, I'm gonna show up and I'm gonna attend. To God be the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, can we celebrate that today, Life Point? God bless you, church. Amen, amen.